I've heard and experienced a lot of sweet revivals. But I've never heard of a church where there was one message. One message. And a revival where 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ. I've never heard of that. Where one message, the first church and the first message of the early church here in the book of Acts starts, actually the message starts in about chapter 2 and verse 14. Peter steps up to preach. The Spirit of God, as we learned last week, has been promised. The Spirit of God up until this time came upon people, came upon people for service. But then everything changes here in the book of Acts, chapter 2, when the early church blossomed forth. What happened here in Acts chapter 2 is the Spirit of God then indwells the church, indwells God's people. It's an amazing miracle because from that day to this, when anybody comes to faith in Jesus, a miracle happens. You know what the miracle happens is? You get the Holy Ghost when you got Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. He that hath not the Spirit of Christ is none of his. In other words, when you got Jesus, you got the Spirit. Now, sometimes the Spirit is like a, a long-lost cousin that comes to visit. Have you ever had anybody come to visit that you weren't really excited about having, but you wanted to be a, good, a decent host? So you don't roll out the red carpet. You don't fill the refrigerator up. You haven't made provision. In a, you just give them a little room somewhere. Here's the bologna. There's the mayonnaise. I mean, you, you kind of keep it simple. And you relegate them to one little spot. I'm saying to you, listen to me very carefully. The Holy Ghost doesn't deserve to be treated like that. And many a Baptist, many a Christian, does not understand that they have God living in them. And what He can do and what His plan is. In this message and in this revival, 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ. That happened. Now, I love the little book of Joel. Y'all know that. I've preached a lot out of the book of Joel. And in the book of Joel, it's a wonderful story, and yet it's a true story, that in his generation, something happened that he would never forget and that we'll never forget. One day, he looks out, and everything is full of beauty and, and fruit and growth. It was full of foliage and green and beautiful. And then he turns his back, and before you can tell it, a big, huge swarm of a pestilence called locusts come through. And those locusts strip every green leaf off every tree, take every bit of fruit out of the fields, every bit of fruit off the trees. It rips everything alive. It just swarms through and consumes everything, even strips the bark off the trees, Joel says. And he stands back and looks at it, and he realizes we are headed for famine. Unless God moves. And the good news is God moves. And God shows up and in a moment he springs that pasture and brings life to that place. But Joel, when he saw that swarming locust, he looked beyond them. He looked beyond that day and he saw this day, Pentecost. And he looked beyond that day and he saw this day, May the 30th, 2021. And he looked beyond that day. And he's prophesying about not only then, but now. And beyond now, he was looking to that great and notable day, Judgment Day, the day of the Lord. You say, well, how in the world did he see all that? God did it. He was a prophet. Prophets see things 
from God and share them with us. And he was seeing all that. You say, how do you know that? Because in this message, look at verse 17. Peter is preaching and he's quoting Joel. He said, let me tell you something before I give you this scripture. He said, these men aren't drunk. They thought they were drunk. When they started speaking with those other languages and dialects, all the people said, these people are drunk. And, and Peter said, no, they're not drunk. They're not drunk. They're not drunk at all. As a matter of fact, he said, here's what happened. Look at verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon, say the next two words with me, all flesh. One more time. All flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids will I pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And he goes on. But first, let me stop for a moment and just cover what is going on in this moment. Joel has seen all of this coming. And I'm trying to imagine what the priest thought in Joel's day when Joel said the Spirit's going to be poured out on all flesh. Well, wait a minute. Not just Jewish flesh? Nope. Wonder what them Hebrews thought. Not just Jewish, uh-uh. Not just men. Not just uh, priests. No. Servants and handmaidens and slaves are going to experience it. That's what he said. Upon my servants and my handmaids, he said, they're all going to get in on it. And not only that, Gentiles are going to get it. Gentiles, by the way, you better be glad that's you. Gentiles are going to get in on the Spirit. This gospel is going to be open to everybody and it's going to come through the channel of the power of the Holy Ghost. My spirit's going to be poured out upon all flesh. They're going to enjoy, we're going to enjoy an infusion, an infusion of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to be for all the whole human race, for the whole of humanity. Oh, what a vision Joel had. And when you speak of Pentecost, don't speak of it as something in the past. We're still living in these days of Pentecost. Now let me show you what it, what it means and how it's unpacked. It's a very brief message, so I just want you to get it. Listen closely. Verse 17, And it shall come to pass in the last days. Boy, that's interesting. Saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. When? In the last days. Well, pray tell me, when is the last days? Would you tell me that? When would you say, what does the Bible say about when the last days began? Didn't the last days begin at the cross? If you studied the end times, you know, of course, that, that Daniel's prophecy leads us to understand that the last days started when Jesus died on the cross. And the last days will be over. Listen to this. Our last days on the earth will be over when the rapture takes place and we go home to heaven. How many of you look forward to that? Say amen one time. Now listen to this. If he said that the Spirit's going to be poured out in the last days, and we're, here's, the, here's the cross, and this right here's the rapture, we're somewhere in here. I personally believe, Pastor, we're over here. Real near it. But wherever we are, we're in this church age. So let me give you, number one, three little simple thoughts. Number one, there's the promise for this generation. My spirit, I will pour out my spirit. It's a promise from God. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, everything the Holy Spirit gets blamed with is not Him. Can I just go ahead and tell you that? A lot of things on TV, a lot of things in churches that everybody says, Ooh, it's the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, you know, don't, don't blame him on some of your foolishness. What the, what the Holy Spirit does, listen, this will help you understand it. He, he preached it last Sunday. His job is to point us to Jesus. If his work, if he's doing what his high priestly work that the scripture says is his to do, he's always showing us Christ. A revelation. If we were worshiping this morning, and we were, and you got a little glimpse of Jesus, you look beyond them singers, and you saw him when the choir was singing, you look beyond their songs, and you saw him, then guess what? That was the Holy Ghost that was helping you see that. I heard a man say something. I, I'm bound to say it. It's in my heart, Pastor. Somebody I've got real great confidence in. He said, I fear that praise can be an enemy of genuine revival in this way. People say, just, you just praise till he comes. Just go in there and start praising away your problems and praising. Listen, praise don't bring revival. Repentance brings revival. Praise is a result of what happens when you have revival. I'm telling you praise comes when the Holy Spirit is no longer grieved and when the Holy Spirit is then poured out. Here he said, here's a promise for everybody in this room. You ready for this? The Spirit has been poured out for you. The Spirit has been poured out for your family. You're wondering, what am I going to do? How can I lead my wife? How can I lead my children? I'll tell you how. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. You're wondering, how can I witness to my faith Here's how. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. How can I get out of this mess? How am I going to make it through this pain? I'm in the middle of a biggest struggle for my life. Pastor, what am I going to do? Be filled with the Spirit. Notice it. Number one, the promise for this generation. I'll pour out my Spirit in the last days on all flesh. All flesh. Boy, that statement just keeps blessing me. And then secondly, not only do we see the promise for this generation, but number two, there's the, there's the power of the past generation. Did you see it? It's one little phrase right there in verse um, 17. Your old men shall dream dreams. Now look here, I can't hardly get set anywhere anymore. And I'm not old, old. I'm older. But when I get in that chair and pull that stick back into low, you know what I'm talking about? When I'm sitting there, if I sit there any length of time, get real comfortable, I'll nod right off to sleep. I can sleep anywhere now. I can sleep in the car while driving. I mean, I can <laughs> sleep on an airplane. I can sleep. But that's not what he's talking about here. He said, your old men, they're supposed to be dreaming dreams. I'm talking to everybody in this room. I told them in the early service, used to, when you were old, you were like 70, 75, no. Then they moved back to 65. Remember that? And that became the official age. Well, then they moved back to 60. I'm not talking about Social Security. I'm just talking about people that give you your benefits at 60. Now they've changed that. It's 55. I'm sorry to tell all of y'all this. So I'm going to use that line for a moment. It's going to make some people mad, Pastor. I don't care. I'd rather make them mad than them not get the truth. Maybe they'll listen better if they're mad. But I want you to listen to what he said about the old man. Dream dreams. If the Spirit's on you, he said, you're going to dream your dreams. Let me tell you what that means. It means you are dreaming your dreams over the visions I'm getting ready to describe. You're encouraging and resourcing and affirming all those young, dream, young uh, visionaries that are coming along. 
This is what I want to spend the balance of my life with. Most of my meetings are with young pastors, young churches, and I, I love it. It's a joy. And I get to dream dreams over them. But I, I read something really good, and I'm going to share with you in a moment about those dreams. But I want you to see that your job is not finished when you get 55 or 60 or 70 or 90. Listen to me. Don't you check out on God. The fullness of the Spirit is yours. You're supposed to stay full and stay on your face before God in prayer. And you're supposed to encourage and affirm and resource and help the others along the way. You think these young folks don't need your help? You think they don't need what God has given you and put through you? They, God wants you to use every bit of that. He's not through with you. There's the power of the past generation. I could tell you, but I won't for sake of time. All the people that have dreamed dreams over me, preachers and lay people and little old women in churches I've been in, Every now and then I walk in a church and somebody will say, you remember when you came here 15 years ago for the first time? Yes, ma'am. And they'll say, I prayed for you every day from that day to this. And my knees almost buckle up. And I realize that every time God's ever done anything in my life, that old woman's been a part of it. She may be the reason for it. She might have had a hold of God and the power of the Spirit on her more than I did. Dream your dreams. Those of you that are a little older, there's the promise for this generation. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Are you listening to me? Number two, there's the power of the past generation. Old men, dream your dreams, old women. Number three, he said, look at this, there's the potential for the next generation. Pastor Cameron, you know what I got to do? When I was young, I got to dream my dreams. And I got to pastor a church full of dreamers. And they got to dream in theirs. Next thing you know, God starts smiling down and giving us those dreams and plans. And as a result, we got to reach a bunch of people. And we got young preachers scattered everywhere. But now, it's your turn. You get to dream. And we get to dream with you. And I, you get to be the visionary. And I plan to dream my dreams over you and over the leaders here so that the work of God can... I believe the greatest days for this ministry and way beyond this, not just this church, but beyond the greatest days for us are just before us. Did you notice how many times he talked about young people in the text? Look at your Bibles. Verse 17, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. Look at this. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Don't be scared of that word. I'll help you with that in a minute. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Look at this. And on my servants and on my handmaids will I pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. He said not just the Jews but the Jews and the Gentiles and the young men and young women. That's what this is referring to. Here's the potential for the next generation. Did you see them walk by here last Sunday? One after the other graduating from high school. Do you see them running around in this church sometimes? Somebody says, don't get bothered you. Them young people ought not run around. You see somebody older, I said, let them run. I'm glad they're running around here. I've been in enough of them that don't have any kids running around. And everything in the building's pristine. And no songbook's turned upside down. And, and there's not any gum on the floor. But listen to me, I'd a whole lot rather be a mess for us to clean up and have boys and girls around here in the future. So leave them alone. As they run and play, I'm thinking, I wonder which one of them God's going to pour His Spirit out on and touch Him. 
I wonder which one. I wonder which one of those girls are going to go to the mission field or build a family. She's not in this service. I'm going to tell you. Pastor Rita Hall came one time and she was working on our part-time staff. She was the children's director before we ever had a full-time children's pastor. She was doing a bang-up job. We were reaching people like crazy. She just had a couple kids then. She came in and she had read, read that book by Bruce Wilkinson called The Dream Giver. And she said, I know you gave me that book and you wanted me to have a big vision to reach kids in the church, but I'm going to have to resign. I said, resign? What do you mean resign? She said, I have to resign because I'm going to stay here and I love this church and they have all these years. But she said, this is not my big dream. Not being a children's director is not my big dream. I said, well, what, pray tell me, is God put in your heart? She said, the Lord wants me and Ira to raise a large family and to teach our children to share Jesus and be missionaries. I saw her vision in her eyes. I couldn't say anything but yes. And now we see the fulfillment of that. As a whole row of them sat here in the early service. You know where they are right now? They're in the Spanish service. You know where they'll be tomorrow? In somebody's backyard telling somebody about Jesus. I don't know what your vision's going to be. But I'm talking to everybody in this room under 55 and telling you. That you're young enough to still have visions. Now I, I've preached this little text. But I've never fully understood all the difference. The variation between the dreams and the vision, but I've been studying after somebody that I have great confidence in by the name of Martin Lloyd, excuse me, G. Campbell Morgan. You know what G. Campbell Morgan said about visions and dreams and prophesying in this text? Now stay with me, I'm almost done, but you don't want to miss this. He said visions are seen by a watcher and young people are to be watching. Visions are seen by a watcher and young people are to be watching. Let me tell you, when you're at this stage of your life as a young man or a woman, listen to me, you need to be praying, God, show me. I'm watching for what you got for me. I'm watching for the one you want me to marry or not. I'm watching, God, for the place you want me to serve. I'm watching for my gifts, Lord. I'm watching. You found the one you're supposed to marry, Trampas, didn't you? This week, Amy. Congratulations to you two. Here's why you're sitting. By the way, since you got married, you're up a little closer. I don't know why that is. Just keep coming. Put you both in the choir. I want to tell you both. Here's, here's what I want to say to you, though, is God has a plan for your life. And if you'll be filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of God will give you vision for what, how, his, how He will influence your life. You've already told me you want to be baptized, Amy. What God will do in your life is going to be amazing because His plan and His dream is so much bigger. And while you're seeing your vision, these old people around here, including me, we're going to dream our dreams over you. You see, a vision, visions are seen by watchers, and watchers are like the young men. All young folks should be watching. Lord, show me. Show me my vision. Show me your vision for me, God. But then listen to the next part. For those of us that are a little older. You know, I about thought I was finished. I'm, I mean, honestly, as an old man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to my, I'm thinking, I'm getting to my, my least influential days. I have changed my mind. I think I'm coming into my most influential days. I think all of you that are in this stage are in yours. Listen to what he said about them. And don't go to sleep on this first part because it bummed me out at first when I first read it. He said dreams are seen by sleepers. 
And I thought, whoa, Lord, I got enough of them in the church, you know. No, that's not what he's talking about. He said, old men, listen to this, old folks ought to be resting. Listen to this. When you're older and you've walked with God, you rest in the security of God. You rest in the promises of God. You rest in the doctrine of God. You rest in faith. And you can dream your dreams from a posture of resting filled with the Holy Spirit over young men and women who are dreaming their dreams. You know, when you watch these guys lead worship, when you watch our students, Chuck, when we watch them surrender and follow God, and by the way, that's why the devil fights some of y'all so hard, and you're so hard-headed. Let go and let the Holy Ghost do His work in your life. If not, one day you'll wake up and you'll be so sorry and you'll remember a moment just like this. God has a vision for you. Don't listen to the enemy. Listen to God. Lord, show me what I'm watching. Show me your vision for me, God. And then He said, not only do we see the vision and the, and the dreams, but listen to what He said about prophecies. By the way, that little word just means sharing Jesus. That's all it means. Don't get lost in it. You know, I know some of our friends, and I love them, see prophesying. Whoa, wait a minute. I think I just heard something. <laughs> yeah, I heard it. Next week, we'll give a prophecy. About this time, we're going to be here in church. <laughs> and somebody might have a back problem. I mean, honestly, listen to me. I probably can tell you. Got, yeah, I know. you. Got, he keeps one. Some of the rest of you are hurting right now. You're ready for me to quit. And I'm almost done. You say, but you said that three times. All preachers say things three times. We get that from God. He said, holy, holy, holy. Three times. Listen to this. I'm not talking about that kind of prophecy. By the way, the Old Testament says you'll know a person's a prophet when what they say comes to pass. A lot of things have been prophesied didn't come to pass. Let me tell you what this word prophecy means. It means the bold proclamation of Jesus. The bold proclamation of the gospel. The good news that Jesus came and died and was buried. He rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And every sinner that will come to him in faith can be born again. The Spirit of God's the only one that will reveal that. He's the only one that can show me and you that. He draws men and women to himself. So the prophecy, what does that mean? In the New Testament, it means it's a witness in speech. For who? For all men, we'd already found that out. All men and women, all bond or free, all ages, all generations. So, Pastor, what's our concern? Let me close with our concern. You ready for this? My concern is, and the thing I guess I fear the most, is silence. If he's poured his spirit out, and he's, he's given us the prophecy to share. And we don't share it. I want you to imagine what it's going to be like when young people stand before him. And God's given you vision, but you've done nothing with it. Or old folks stand before him. And God challenged you to dream your dreams in the power of the Spirit over the next generation. I wonder what you're going to say to him. I'll tell you what you're going to say. Nothing. But you'll be ashamed and I'll be ashamed. We'll be in heaven. We don't lose our salvation for not doing it. But it's embarrassing. Because the Lord who loved us so much that we ought to be pouring our life out from will not be pleased. The Holy Spirit was poured out so we would be able to prophesy. So let's do it. Let's do it this week. Let's do it at work. Let's do it at home. This week somebody called me that's in this building. 
They sold their house to someone. And when they sold it to someone, they started talking to them about Jesus and what Jesus had done in their life. And then they said, well, you go with me over to see. And he said, can I bring my pastor over? Yes, you can. We sat there and talked about Jesus. You say, well, weren't they resistant? No. People want to hear about Jesus. They want to hear about what he's done in your life. Just tell them your story. Don't be pious and stick your nose in the air. Just be humble and broken as you share with them as an old sinner how Jesus washed you clean, saved you. Finally, the other concern I have and the final one is I don't want to live in a day without vision and dreams. The absence of vision means we're not being filled with the Holy Ghost. Why are these young people not going off to train for ministry? Why they're not serving God? Why we lose some in a generation? I'll tell you why. They're not filled with the Spirit. Or they never got the Spirit in the first place and got saved. When we have the fullness of the Spirit, there will be vision and there will be dreams, old people. If you're not dreaming your dreams of the gospel and you're not giving and you're not encouraging and you're not affirming and you're not a part of the next generation, then you're not filled with the Spirit. If we have no vision and dreams, why not? It's because we're not responding to the Spirit. If we do not, we fail and we limit God. The ministry is, is necessitated by the Spirit. The mystery of Pentecost and this Pentecostal age is this, and I'm closing. God's looking for partners. All kind of partners. Big partners, little partners. Fat partners and skinny partners, hard-headed partners, women and men, black and white, Latino. Just anybody that will believe what he said, I poured out my spirit, it's available to you. Will you experience it? And will you see your visions, young people? And will you dream your dreams, old folks? Because it's a promise for you. Now, you can spin your life, spin your wheels, and waste your life. Or you can say every day, Lord, empty me of myself and my plans and fill me to the brim with the Holy Spirit so I can influence these children, so I can influence my world and give me my vision, Lord, because you're able to bring it to pass. Or Lord, let me dream my dreams over those young folks' visions in the power of the Holy Ghost for the gospel and the proclaiming of the good news. Let's bow our heads together. You know why this don't mean much to some folks? Listen to me. Because they've never been born again. Until you ever are born from above, you don't understand this. You know why? Because you don't have the Spirit living in you. If you're saved, let me tell you what happens when a message like this or last week is preached. The Spirit of God within you either brings conviction that you need to trust Him and draw from Him that power because He lives in you. Or... Or if you're a believer, let me tell you what else happens. Or you're broken. Don't be hard. Don't be lost in your own exploits. Be filled with the Spirit. I feel led to give an unusual common invitation this morning. If you're lost this morning, our pastors are here at the front. You can come. I believe there's probably lost people in this room. You've never given your heart to Jesus. Why don't you come? 